Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. Today I'm joined with Alan Arnold, who is an author and executive producer at Wild at Heart. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondag, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. What a time to join. Um, What a year it's been. Today, I'm joined with Alan Arnold, who is an author and executive producer at Wild at Heart. In this conversation today, we talk a little bit more about chaos, how we've all experienced some some chaos, have been tried and tested, in, in our daily walks um, across this year, and, and just all that that entails, um, we we really dig into the origin of chaos, our response to chaos, um, and, and and how we hold on to, to God's faithfulness, trust, and overall goodness in the midst of chaos, which can seem so hard. Uh, and then we just break down different personal areas of chaos as well, looking at how. Um, how it doesn't just affect one area, but we can kind of look at our finances, our marriage, our, fa- our friendships, our faith, our family, um, our dreams, and just so many other things um, that, that, can, that can be hurt in the midst of chaos. Um, and so really how we come back home and um, what, what that looks like, um, especially after a tumultuous time. And so I'm super excited for this conversation um, with, with Alan um, and know that you'll enjoy it as well. So without further ado, here's my conversation. Without further ado, Alan, thanks so much for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast. Yeah, Tyler, I'm excited to, to be with you today, and I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, I know that you're you're coming off a, a book release that, that just launched in October, um, and things are starting to move a little bit faster now, I'm sure. Um, and it's coming kind of at the end of a really crazy 2020, um, regardless of where you're tuning in from. Our, uh, I'm sure all of our listeners have faced um, some form of chaos and have been tried and uh, tried and tested. Um, just wanted to kind of, for you personally, what have you been learning um, about chaos this year um, and kind of, in, in kind of as a prelude to, to your book? Yeah, well... I would say the beginning thing I started to learn was it was kicking my butt. I, I didn't have a plan. I was waking up each day and surprised by how chaotic the the world was. You know, not just my life, but uh, our nation with COVID. This was back in uh, you know kind of the March April time period where things were just sliding from what we thought of as normal life to everything not normal everything different and unexpected and so from the news to the virus to social unrest and then politics uh it's it's been a year like no other and the main thing i saw was if i don't have a plan for how to navigate chaos it will take me out any number of ways and i think it takes all of us out any number of ways you know um And we can go into that. But that was the very first thing I started to realize is my heart is sinking. I feel like I'm downsizing my dreams. I feel like I'm more agitated. Um, I don't feel as close to God when I get stirred up or spun up. And so I knew there had to be a better answer. And so that started me on a journey, Tyler, of just saying, what, 
what is a new way to see chaos? Because if I can understand it how God understands it, then I can approach it in a different way than just my own strength or my own, um, you know, smarts to try to make it through the day. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think one thing that, that really stuck with me is that you need a plan because it's going to, it's going to, it's going to take you out at some compo- some level and it, uh, it, and the, uh, the, uh, enemy's going to have his way in, in, in some, some aspect. If you're, you know, if you don't have a plan, yeah. if you're not, if you're not ready for it, um, right. can you, yeah, let's, let's, let's kind of start with the origins here and looking kind of at creation and Genesis of where chaos starts, um, bring it back to scripture here. Great. Well, so I think I grew up in a church where I, it was always my assumption from boyhood on that chaos entered into the picture when Adam and Eve sinned and they chose against God. They chose, you know, the fruit, the temptation. And that was when sin entered the world, death entered our world. And I would have said, and chaos, you know, and I just, I kind of believed that growing up, the chaos around me, around us was a result of the fall. Um, But the problem is there was already a chaotic being in the garden with Adam and Eve who tempted them, the serpent, before they made their choice, there was a being filled with chaos. And so chaos didn't originate at the fall. And so then I took it back earlier in Genesis and in Genesis one, two, you know, but we're all familiar with Genesis one, one in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, but we look at Genesis one, two, and it's this kind of mysterious verse of, the spirit is hovering over the murky darkness, the empty and the void, depending on how your translation says it, 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 it's picturing this chaos mass that the spirit of God is hovering over. Mm-hmm. And so we see it there, but Genesis one, three is when the days of creation started. So before creation, as we know it began, chaos was there and we can't go back further than Genesis one, one chronologically but we can go back further in some of the other parts of scripture that talk about what happened before our world was created. And so it took me back into the scriptures of Lucifer, Satan. And in revelation, we read about this rebellion in heaven and in the rebellion of heaven, Lucifer, one of the higher ranking angels at the time, or maybe the highest ranking at the time before this rebellion he was one of the top ones and he convinced a third of the created beings, angels to rebel against God, the creator, which always blows my mind because it's like these angels can see God face to face. They, we don't have to, you know, we don't have the opportunity to see God as they did just day to day, face to face, Mm -hmm. but the angels did and could. And a third of them still chose a created being over the creator. And the rebellion in heaven was chaotic. So we see chaos there in the rebellion in heaven. So we keep going further and further back down this rabbit hole, you know, kind of uh, wondering, okay, it's here and now it's here. And then it was there. So where did it begin? And the best I was able to find, and and it feels like this is the truest answer in scripture, is we look at the being of Lucifer before he converted a third of the angels to rebel against God, what was going on in his world and his heart. And what we see is in Ezekiel 28, the scripture is talking about Lucifer and it says blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. 
So the angelic beings were created without sin, without wickedness. And then we see in Isaiah 14, where Lucifer says, talking about Lucifer, and it says, you said in your heart, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And so we start to see this, this painting or picture of Lucifer born without sin, born with or created without sin, created without, you know, guile or anything, any wickedness, but he allows his heart to be overcome with envy, I think with lust for power. He wants to be the center of the story and he lets that corruption into his heart. And it feels like that's the first place we see chaos in scripture is this, this angelic being turning from what God made him to be into this agent of chaos. And he, he spreads chaos in the heavens and the rebellion in heaven before that battle and before a third of them were kicked out. And he spreads it in the garden with Adam and Eve. And he spreads it in your life and my life today. And so just, I mean, that was a kind of a quick tour through a lot of scripture, but just to say, if we wonder why chaos seems to have these traits of killing, stealing, and destroying, well, that's how John 10, 10 describes the enemy. And I believe chaos is his main weapon to do those very things, to kill, steal, and destroy from us today, from earlier, what he tried to do against God, what he's tried mm -hmm. to do against, you know, the other angelic beings, the two thirds that stayed with God, what he tried to do in the garden. And ever since he has been using chaos to try to separate people, creature, angelic creatures, beings from God. So, that was my first hint at there's something bigger at play here than just a, a day that's crazy or a day that's filled with havoc or the storms of life. Chaos is personal and intentionally trying to take each of us out because it's coming from the enemy who's out to kill, steal, and destroy us. Hmm. So that situational awareness is kind of part one of the game plan for being proactive. That's uh, that's really that's really interesting, and I, I haven't kind of looked in too much into angels and um, and that and that that origin. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, would then I guess humans would be unable to make that decision because chaos is already inevitable. Well, I think when you say make that decision, I do think we are able to counter chaos. I do think we are right. able to transform chaos. But it's naive to think we live in a world or expect the world to be free of chaos, to expect our lives to be free of chaos. Jesus says in John 16:33, this famous verse that most of us know, which is, you know, in this world, you will have trouble. And you could easily replace the word trouble with chaos. In this world, you will have chaos. But the whole verse, it does, you know, it's actually three sentences. And it says, Jesus talking, I've told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. Hmm. You will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Hmm. So you hear the first part of that, you know, okay, so Jesus is saying, I'm telling you these things so you'll have peace. And yet the thing he says in the very next breath is, in this world you will have trouble. That doesn't sound like a, a comforting, peaceful thought, but he's no. telling us you can have peace because I have overcome the world. I haven't just overcome this situation in front of me right now, but Jesus is saying, I've overcome chaos and trouble from the beginning, before time began, really, 
all the way through the end of time as we know it. And so when we're with Jesus, we can overcome chaos through his strength and we can have peace and we can guard our hearts, but we can't do it just waking up, trying to give the day our best. We have to have a plan and we have to understand the larger story that's at play. Right. You know, that that's that's great. And so I think one one of the things that I'm thinking about is like when chaos arises, there's we all have our responses of trying to trying to deal. I think one of the things is you, you automatically I think when I when I get feel like I'm in a chaotic situation, I tense up and I can you know, I could really I can feel right. I can feel myself in a position where I'm just tight. Everything's tightening. Um and so just wanted to kind of think how you've been thinking through the and uh, looking at the, our response to chaos and then kind of what God says about what we um, how, how to actually combat chaos. Right. Well, what you're naming, I mean, so in our in our journey to overcome chaos, the first thing is the situational awareness. What's really going on? The second thing that you're naming here, Tyler, I think is key, which is what are our normal responses to chaos and how has it been working? And for most people, the answer to how it's been working is not all that great. And, and, and most of us have turned to um, other things for relief from the chaos. Not usually God, unfortunately. Um, but we turn to binge watching a Netflix series or, you know, some people turn to alcohol. Some people turn to right. uh, distractions, uh, hobbies right. at the gym or whatever. But normally our reaction is either we get spun up and agitated, we let the outside chaos get us spun up, or we shut down. We just yeah. we just hunker down and we just put our heads down and hope the bullets flying around us don't hit us. Right. Or we try to wait it out. And you know, waiting it out, um, I think as the majority of people, that's what they you know, you hear things like, Wow, I can't wait for twenty twenty one because twenty twenty has been so hard. But that's unfortunately not a great strategy because it's a very passive strategy. It's basically saying I am going to wait for things to change and hope for the best. And in scripture, you never see heroes of the faith taking that approach. Well, let's just, you know, we'll just wait and we'll see what happens. It's always God inviting men and women into a larger story. And so those three responses don't work, spun up, shut down, waited out, and the fourth one is sometimes we as men, I think, especially try to out chaos chaos. We decide we've had enough. We've lost our patience and we try to control and take everything in, in our own hands and blaze through the day. And the problem with that is you can't have less of what you're becoming more of. So if you're becoming more chaotic, well, as you try to hmm. defeat chaos, you're already in a losing game. And so those four responses, you know, there's others, but those are the main four I, I've seen. And none of them work. They're all reactive or they're all passive. Hmm. And and so if those don't work, well, what's a better way? And in Scripture, I look back to Genesis 1-2. And here's the really cool thing about that. Most people, including me, before I started this book, had missed it. That's the very first lesson in the entire Bible, in all of Scripture, if you start in Genesis one one, the very first lesson God teaches us is found in Genesis one two, I believe, and it's how to overcome chaos. And in the first lesson, a father teaches a son, or a craftsman teaches an apprentice, 
is really important. A sage, you know, if he's going to teach the person following him on a journey, the very first thing he says about, okay, now sit down. I want to tell you a story. I want to, I want to tell you a secret. I want to show you something. You pay attention because that's chronologically, it matters what's first. And the very first thing in Bible, Genesis 1-1, God says, I'm creator, and now let me show you how I'm going to use creation, creativity, to change chaos into beauty, life, and order. And in Genesis 1-3, right, perfect murky darkness, the empty and void, we see the days of creation begin, and, and oceans are created, and light is there, and mountains, and stallions, and wildflowers, and you name it, and ultimately man and woman. And so... God's response to chaos is creation, is bringing order from disorder, replacing the empty and void with beauty and life and hope. And, and he does so in the most magnificent ways. Yeah. And so God's response to chaos isn't to wait it out or to get spun up. He doesn't become more chaotic. He doesn't try to, he doesn't just wait it out or shut down or say, yeah, I, 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 I can't really create in an environment like this. It's too chaotic. But that's exactly what we tend to do in our gifting and in our callings. We tend to go, oh, man, things are so chaotic. You know, it would have been easy for me to say, I'll just write this book when the chaos subsides. But the book, I feel like, needed to be out there as a roadmap for people to navigate chaos. So if I had let chaos shut me down, it would have already won. Mm. And I believe if we take God's approach, which Mm. is, First of all, know what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Second, don't let the outer chaos in us. And then the exciting part happens. The really exciting part is we get to then enter into the chaos and not become agents of chaos ourselves, but agents of change. Because we can start to change in our realm of authority the chaos in our home, the chaos in our church, the chaos in our calling the chaos uh, against a husband, between a husband and wife. We can, in all of those things, start diffusing and transforming the chaos if we enter into it with God mm-hmm. and do it the way he did it. So mm-hmm. it has immense practical application. The practical application mm-hmm. is, do you want to live in chaos or do you want to be free of chaos? Jesus offers us a way to be free of chaos. God shows us how to be free of chaos. But we'll never get there waiting it out or trying to overcome chaos in our own strength, or just being good good men, patient men, mm-hmm. you know, waiting and hoping and kind of keeping our mouth shut and our head down. Mm-hmm. Chaos will win every time. Yeah. So the, the invitation is very practical, but we have to have a plan and we have to actually enter into it with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's really fascinating. I think part of that is just this, this creativity that I think chaos invites us into in in some capacity uh if if we if we kind of find ourselves and respond in um yeah in this i guess yeah. the, the, not in a passive or just kind of a, a letting something kind of go by us or waiting it out um as you had mentioned and i think there's there's multiple examples of and when we look at um god stepping in and making creation out of chaos um right that i mean that's that's kind of our that's our kind of our initial foundation there in terms of creativity what um i think there's a lot of creatives out here that are that are tuning in and i know you're cre- you know you're involved in a creative um with, with wild at heart and the, some of the work that you do 
um, what has been, I think the, the, what has been challenging in, in keeping that, um, that creative, those, I, I hate to say creative juices flowing, but that's the first thing that comes to mind here. Right. Well, so what you're naming, I, I think, you know, the enemy, his main weapon is chaos. I believe he throws chaos at us to go to where we have scars, where we were wounded, where we have false beliefs. In all of our fears and anxieties, he throws unique custom chaos at us. And I believe God actually says, my main weapon against chaos on the earth today yeah. is you, me, believers, followers, sons and daughters. And the way we move up against chaos is the way he moved against chaos in Genesis 1-2 is through who he was and what he did, through his presence and his creativity. And so every man listening, and anywhere I go and talk, Tyler, I always make sure the audience knows this. Any man or woman who hears this is creative. Like it's not a question of are you creative? You have the creator's DNA in you, and you have his breath of life in you. So you are creative. Now, a lot of people don't believe that and don't, and don't enter into that. And, and that's unfortunate because the enemy has stolen that from them, but it's not something permanently stolen. So no matter what your occupation is, if you're a barista, if you're a coach, if you're an architect, if you're a podcaster, if you're a writer, a teacher, if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, you are creative. And you have been given the ability from God. You have certain passions and interests and dreams, and you can change the environment, the atmosphere around you, through who you are and what you do. So a stay-at-home parent, you talk about changing the atmosphere for those kids by who you are and what you do, it's immense. It's, a, it's got an eternal impact. If you're a podcaster like you are, the people who are hearing this, it's your passion for doing what you're doing is rippling. And as people hear it, it transforms the environment and atmosphere around them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on and on and on. And so the first thing about creativity is to believe and realize you are creative. And if you don't know what your creativity is, I have an exercise in the book called the empty auditorium exercise. That's a pretty cool thing for people. That's very simple, but it allows them to start discovering or naming what makes them come alive. Mm-hmm. And what makes you come alive is a good hint at the gifting and the desires that God gave you because now you start using those desires and your creativity with God, actively with God, and that's where you start to change the world around you. And so in the book, there's a, like a, uh, I riff off of the movie The Mask of Zorro, and there's this thing called the Master's Will in The Mask of Zorro where, where the young Zorro is being trained. And I kind of take that circle and adapt it in different ways to say here are the 11 training circles to discover your gifting and enter into your gifting, not just so that you become more creative, but so that creativity is used to transform your realms of authority and responsibility. And when we do that, there is less chaos in the world. We, we can't stop chaos in total, although that will be stopped, you know, when God makes all things right and new, but in the world we're in today, we can certainly diminish and overcome chaos in each of our areas. And as we do, we do bring more light into the world. And so we do make a difference. And, 
And, you know, the enemy, if he can throw chaos at each of us where we just shut down, it's like, it's like a basketball player sitting on the bench saying, I'll come into the game once things turn around. And the coach is saying, actually, I need you in the game now to make them turn around, not to wait until everything's turned around. And I believe God's saying, I've given you these gifts and talents. Yes, so you can become more intimate with me. As you discover your gifts, you'll discover more about me. That's why I gave you the gifts. But I also gave them to you, not just for you, but so you can make a difference in this world mm-hmm. and, and bring beauty and hope and order in life. But you have to get in the game. You can't just wait or believe you are creative or believe you can't make a difference or believe you'll get involved once things get back to normal. Like we need you as men and women in the game today, now. And so the book kind of takes mm-hmm. people through, well, what does that look like? Because if you do it in your own strength, it's not going to make any impact. But if you do it with God in the right ways, man, you become an agent of change in the world. It's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I really appreciate how you mentioned some of the different areas where, um, some of the different areas of focus, right? So you have finances, marriage, friendships, faith, family, and dreams, and just um, a lot of spaces where I think it kind of goes back to that awareness component. That, hey, like if when chaos enters, it's going to it's all of my aspects of life are going to find find this kind of the starting to shake and starting to, to kind of tinker around with what is familiar. And so taking stock and um, and I, I think sometimes I know personally, I, I think I kind of have my, everything in order in one area. I, I just need to focus on this, but rather it's actually kind of an in, inner condition and an inner just union with with Christ that is going to transform all of those areas um, simultaneously. While you know, obviously, there there is there is a lot of value in in, in uh, differentiating and, and working out kind of the, the specifics. Yeah, and and yeah. you know what we're talking about. Part of it is maybe your day job where you're seeing the impact. Part of it may be uh, an outside you know mission or activity you do coaching a team a sports team writing a book i have a full-time job at wild at heart i didn't get to write my book at my desk here at wild at heart i did it in my free time i did it i sacrificed weekends and and got up at 4 a.m and you know like but my point is you can change the world through your job that you get paid for but you can also do it in your own time, in your neighborhood, in your hobbies, in your, you know, calling that may not align with exactly what you do to get paid every day. And so don't let, don't let yourself get stuck saying, well, gosh, I'm in a job and I don't feel like I have much leeway to be creative as much as to say, well, what are the passions and interests God gave me? And whether it's in my job or, or it's outside of my job, how do I start changing the world for good? And part of that is our family. You know, nobody pays us that I'm aware of to be a dad. Nobody pays us to be a husband that I'm aware of. And, and yet those are ways that we can bring beauty and life and order and transform the chaos into calm and into goodness every day. I, I have three teenagers. There's a lot and they're really great kids and, but a lot of chaos can ensue. You know, and I can either let that make me become more chaotic or I can change the atmosphere of our home, not by yelling louder, not by 
trying to be a control freak, but but actually by choosing love uh, over fear. And you know, Tyler, that's one of the things I go into in the book as well is most guys don't realize this, but every decision we make is love or fear-based, I believe. Not love or hate, but love or fear. And hate is a subset, I believe, of fear. But when we respond in fear, we can look like we're raging or we can look shut down. We can be the loudest guy in the room or we can be the guy that hides from everybody. You know, um, it can look like offense or agitation or confusion. But if we are fear-based, we are changing the atmosphere in a not good way because God never said in any of Scripture that we are to be anxious, fearful people. Never. Like, that's not his invitation. And yet we will say, well, we'll justify fear or anxiety. Like, well, who wouldn't be fearful given X, Y, Z? Who wouldn't be anxious X, Y, Z? And my answer to that is, well, I don't know who wouldn't, but God's invitation is not to be. And so that's our choice is, do we believe that we can actually be chaos-free, anxiety-free, fear-free in a world that's full of fear and anxiety and chaos, or do we not believe it? And if God says we can, then I want to know how, because like, that's, that's a beautiful thing. That'll change my day from start to finish from how I wake up to how I go to bed. If I believe that, Mm -hmm. but if I don't believe it and I don't have a plan, the outside chaos is just going to get within me and I'm going to become a chaotic person that actually spreads chaos like a virus or fear like a virus or anxiety like a virus instead of spreading beauty and life in order. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, and Alan, it, it, it's been, it's been great to, to hear a little bit more about kind of what the, the past year has looked like for you. And obviously with the, the book chaos can't, which is, which is now available. Um, just any, any kind of final words or, um, or just reflections on things that, you know, that, that is part of the book or that we've mentioned um, and then uh, before we, before we hop off, then just where folks can, can find you as well. Sure. Well, the final thought would be if you want to change your day, because like, I love talking big picture and theological kind of ideas, but if you don't break it down to something practical, it's going to stay in your head, but not change your life. And a great way to make this practical is when you wake up in the morning, try this for 30 days, okay? If you're if you're listening to this and want to see if it works, just try this for 30 days. It won't cost you a dime. But what you can try is when you wake up, before you get out of bed, replace your expectations for the day with expectancy. So instead of saying, this is how the day needs to go for me to be calm or at peace or happy, go, I'm going to release my expectations, God, to you, and I'm going to instead have a childlike wonder before I even get out of bed, before I reach for my phone, before I start checking texts and everything else, I'm going to say, God, what do you have for me today? What's this day going to be? It's an expectancy. It's not control. It's the opposite. It's hands open. Hmm. It's releasing all of your control or illusion of control. And, and so start the day that way with an expectancy. And then as you go throughout the day, don't let chaos surprise you, but but actually watch what God's up to. And then at the end of the day, part two of it is, same day, every day, at the end of the day, when you put your head down and you're about to go to bed, say, God, I would love to hear your interpretation of this day. 
And what that does is that, you know, we may have said, wow, this day is terrible, man. It was a cruddy day. My kids argued with me. My boss was hard to get along with. I, you know, X, Y, Z happened. And that's our interpretation. But if we want the bigger picture, we can go, God, what's your interpretation of today? Where did you father me? Where did I miss you? Mm. Um, where did I actually do better than I thought I could, you know, in being a son? Yeah. And and asking for his interpretation. And Tyler, when we do that, when we start the day with expectancy, and when we end the day with God's interpretation, we start to live, use the word union earlier, mm. and we start to live in greater union with the Father because we're saying at the beginning of the day, I release everything to you. And now whatever happens, I'm watching for what you're doing. And at the end of the day saying, I know how I feel about the day, but how do you feel about the day, God? And when we start in that day, we can go to bed with peace and we can wake up with peace and we can go through the day with union. So that's my Hmm. challenge or my invitation to listeners. Try it. If you don't want to do it 30 days, try it for a week. Watch the difference that will happen to your heart and to your peace and to your ability to navigate the chaos instead of be overcome by it. And then people can find the book at Amazon. Uh, It's in a paperback and it's in an ebook format. And they can find me at withallen.com, W-I-T-H-A-L-L-E-N.com. And on my website, I've tried to make it a place of beauty and hope and life like we're talking about. And so it really is a place for people who want to know, how do I pursue my dreams and my interest and my creativity with God? Mm. And so there's videos, podcasts, blogs, all of them free. Um, but it's just a way for people to kind of start going down that road of what does it look like? What's a roadmap for pursuing what I love to do with mm. God? Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I, I think that's a great it's final great. piece. I love how you start start the day and how you end the day. I think those are two kind of, capstones for for how you um yeah i think sometimes we can we can kind of miss and just kind of get going in a routine and not kind of take stock of where we are and where our soul is and then same thing at the end we can um go right from a place of hurry or from chaos right into bed and kind of uh again kind of not look at the bigger picture of uh how the day actually went so i think that's a great that's a great final piece and um and um thanks again for uh for the time today. And, um, I really enjoyed it. I did too. Thanks Tyler.